If you would look please in Luke, the fourth chapter, Luke chapter 4, we begin a while back a series that we're calling The Word of Power. The Word of Power. And um, we've already covered quite a bit. If you hadn't been with us, go online, get the messages, watch them, listen to them, download them. It won't cost you anything. And uh, there's revelation that shows us how to not be defeated, not be overcome, but how to rule and to reign in this life, here and now. In uh, Luke 4, we see in the very early days of Jesus' ministry, verse 32, Luke 4, 32, some of the first messages that he spoke after he'd been baptized in the river and the Spirit of God had come on him. Luke 4.32, they were astonished at his doctrine or his teaching, for his word was with power. Everybody said out loud, his word was with power. It didn't just say they were impressed. What did it say? Astonished. Now that's a strong word. They they were just, they were, we might say, blown away. They were like, whoa, did you hear him preach? Not because it was so intriguing intellectually, but because it was so powerful. Powerful. In verse 33, in the synagogue, there was a man that had a spirit cried out with a loud voice, said, let us alone. What have we to do with you? Jesus rebuked him, said, hold your peace and come out of him. Verse 36, they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, what a word is this? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Everybody say with authority. And with power, power. he commands. commands. Hallelujah. Is this an example for us? With authority and power, he commands. In verse uh, 38, it said, He arose out of the synagogue, entered into Simon's house. Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever. They besought him for her. He stood over her and rebuked the fever. And it left her. Now, this is beyond how most church-going people function. You know, most church-going people. If somebody said, you know, man, I was, I was running a fever this morning. Would most church-going people respond and say, have you spoken to it? But this should be a question that we ask ourselves and our loved ones and others that we're dealing with in case after case after case. I know uh, some years ago, my dad, who's in heaven now, but he had a massive heart attack. And he actually was dying. He said he stepped out the back door of his house into the garage And he said, man, his heart just felt like it ripped apart. And he said he was leaving his body. And he knew it. And um, he said he he knew the Lord. And he said he asked the Lord, Lord, is it time for me to go? He said the Lord said, no. (laughs) Do you know you can go early? You can. You can go way early. And so... With just hearing that word no, he starts fighting. He started fighting to live. And he came back. And I think mom found him and they got him to the doctor. But the doctor said this, one of the best heart specialists in his state said, you know, they still didn't know if he'd live because it was so terrible that, I mean, his kidneys had shut down and this had shut down and that had shut down. Well, I, I reckon he died, you know. So 
Anyway, I, I went to see him. This is several years ago. And uh, the Lord dealt with me. Start speaking to things. Now see, you can just panic and you start, please God, please God, help my dad, please God, help my dad. But that's not what he told us to do. He didn't say, if you'll beg a lot and beg real strong, you'll see miracles. Begging is not believing. We need to quit this begging. Because this is contrary to the word. And so the Lord showed me what we should do is everything, so I, we asked the doctors, okay, what, what needs to happen right now? And they said, well, his kidneys need to start working. And so we just focused in on that. We spoke to his kidneys. Jesus spoke to the fever. Come on, y'all with me now. Huh? This is, this is not prayer. I said, this is not prayer. We spoke to his kidneys. We said, kidneys... <laughs> now let's just stop right here. Can kidneys hear? Yes. If a fever can hear, kidneys can hear. Blood can hear. Hearts can hear. Lungs. Brain. Everything that exists was created by spoken words. It shouldn't be a thing thought strange to us that what was created by words could be changed by words could be fixed, could be restored by words. So we started speaking to uh, his kidneys. Kidneys function normally. Kidneys. And my dad knew this. He was real weak and he had the oxygen on and all this other stuff. But he said, kidneys, (laughs) you're my kidneys. I'm telling you to work. And you know what happened before the day was over? They started working. They weren't 100%, but they started working, which is better than they hadn't been working at all. And, and then it was better and better and better. And then uh, they, they, they said, well, what, what one needs to happen now? And, and, and they said, well, we need this. And these levels need to come up. Well, we need this. And over the next week, we put our faith on like five, six different things. And we'd speak to it. And it came up and it came up. And man, not only did he live, he fully recovered. He went home and lived for years. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But most of the church does not function this way. Religion will teach you to beg. Instead of speak like this. He rebuked the fever. He spoke to the fever and it left her. Go with me if you would to the uh, to John, gospel account of John, and the sixth chapter, John 6. We need to be speaking to things more and not cussing them. (laughs) Now you're laughing, but there are people that would just scoff and mock at what I just said. And yet, there it is right there in the Word. And yet, they got no problem, they do it on a regular basis, cussing things and cursing things. Go to start their car and it didn't start. You blankety blank. You sorry car. You this, you that. You're talking to an inanimate object. You know, they stomp their toe on something and, and, and they cuss their toe and they cuss the couch. And you are talking to a couch. You are talking to your toe, but you're not blessing it. You're cursing it. Can you see what I'm talking about? The world is doing this full bore. And they see nothing wrong with it. Unless you're going to talk to it positively. Now you're crazy. Come on, can you see that? You can cuss it. That's fine. But if you bless it, you're a spiritual kook. That's because of the influence, the evil influence of the evil one, the God of this world, has people all twisted up in their thinking, twisted Turned, you know, the opposite way. No, the Lord told us to speak to things by his authority in faith, speak life into it, speak healing into it. Things that ought not be to rebuke them and command them to leave. I'm going to follow his example. How about you? 
Folks can say what they want to, and I'll do, they can be talking while I'm enjoying the results. Amen. Say it out loud. I'm going to follow in the Master's footsteps. I'm going to follow His example. I'm going to use my words to change things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Look in John 6.63. John 6.63, Jesus said this. He said, it is the Spirit that quickens. Now, the word quicken could also be translated makes full of life, full of energy and full of life. It's the opposite of killing something. To quicken something is to make it alive or make it more alive. And he said the spirit quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The flesh doesn't quicken. It doesn't do any good. So he's distinguishing between spirit and flesh. And the next thing he says, the words that I speak to you, they're what? Spirit as opposed to what? Flesh. And they are life as opposed to nothing or death. So here we can see that there are spirit words and there must be flesh words. Spirit words and flesh words. Words that quicken and words that do nothing. And there are even words that kill, that minister death. Let's read it again. Jesus said, it is the spirit that quickens, that makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, and why would he say it like that? Because a whole lot of words that people speak are not spirit words. They're, in fact, the Bible talks about vain words. V-A-I-N. Well, vain, another way to translate that is empty. Useless. Uh, it shouldn't be a stretch for us to understand. There are a lot of empty, useless words. So just because people say something certainly doesn't mean that it's changing anything. But there are spirit words. Hallelujah. Words that are spirit and life that you speak. That release life and energy and change things. And Jesus, that's how he spoke. That ties in, doesn't it, with when they said, man, he speaks with power. He speaks with authority. He speaks with power. Well, it was life. It was spirit words. It was life words. Life-giving, life-quickening. We saw this a week or two ago from Proverbs 18.30. Proverbs 18.30, or excuse me, 18.20 and 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Is that true? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And he even tells us in Ephesians when he talks about the, we talked about this some months back, you know, about the, the arm, all the armor of God, he said the, uh, the sword of the Spirit is the what? The Word. The Word of God. How do I fight the spiritual battles that we need to fight? How do I overcome these conflicts? Well, with words. With words. How did Jesus overcome the enemy tempting him for 40 days and nights? With words. Right? Words. Not just empty flesh words, but spirit words. Hallelujah. Spirit words. And you got a book full of them. You got a book full of spirit words. 
inspired of God. God breathed words, words of life. So we can take these words and put them in our mouth. Hallelujah. And speak them. And the words that the Spirit of God would quicken to us in line and based on these words, but specifically tailored to our individual situations, we speak those. And it changes things. Can you say amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Look with me in, in Matthew 6. Matthew 6 and 7. Jesus said, when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Now what we see here out of the mouth of the master is it is not a quantity of words. It's a quality of words. It's not about confessing it, confessing it, confessing it a thousand times. You got to watch about just looping mindlessly. Because this is how people do in false religions. They chant. I said they chant and they recite the same thing over and over. And the Lord told us specifically not to do that. Didn't he? Don't do that. Don't chant. Don't repeat. They think they'll be heard because of what? Because they said it so much that there's this magic number. When I say it the 925th time, boom, something's going to happen. That is not true. And they can be the, what kind of repetitions? There's that word again. Vain means empty, useless. So you're saying it, but you're not putting anything into it. You're just being religious. No, say it out loud, no vain repetitions. No vain repetitions. Verse 8, he said, don't be like them. Don't be like the heathen. Don't be like other religions. Do not be like them. For your father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. And so when we come to him, we need to remember who we're talking to. I mean, you wouldn't come into the office of the president of a country or or, uh, the king or, or prime minister of a country You wouldn't come in there and fall over the desk and go, oh, king, oh, king, oh, president, oh, king, oh, president. And he says, what? What? Oh, president, oh, president, oh, president, oh, oh. Wouldn't that be an example of vain repetitions? You just keep saying the same thing. Over and over and over, thinking you're religious. He knew you were coming before you showed up. He knew what was going on before you did. Is that right? Nothing you say to him is informing him of something he didn't know. Now, he still wants you to talk to him, but he doesn't want you to treat him like he can't hear. Or that he's hard of hearing. Or that he can't remember. He's smarter than you. A lot. Yes. <laughs> Come on, are you with me or not? So, so you, how many understand? When you, you, yes, you can come boldly before the throne of grace, but remind yourself of where you are and who you're talking to. Remind yourself. You express love. You, you express respect. And you look to choose the right words. And to speak circumspectly and, and, and appropriately and with, with proper intent. And from the, the, one of the biggest things about the Lord, 
He tolerates no falseness. If you're playing games, he won't even hear you. If you're not being genuine, he won't even hear it. Now you may be able to fool other people, but you can't fool him. You must be sincere. Uh, We're reading here in John. Also in John he talked about he seeks those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. But when you come before him completely genuine, completely real, sincere, and your heart's right, he knows that too. I said he knows that too. And he'll hear that. And he'll receive that. And he'll respond to you. If you'll listen, he'll commune with you. I'm not talking about an audible voice. Could do it that way, but usually doesn't. But he'll commune with you in a way that you'll know things in your heart that'll come up and illuminate your mind from him. He'll tell you that he loves you. He'll tell you that if you do something he tells you to do, he'll tell you that he's pleased with you. He will. He will encourage you. He'll strengthen you. His words are life. They're spirit. He is spirit. His words are spirit. His words are spirit and life. And what he wants is for you and I to abide and live in him so that we get full of his spirit and life words. And his words live in us and we begin to speak those spirit and life words to other people. And he can actually encourage other people and help other people and express love and all kind of good things through us. That his words of spirit and life have come to us, but now they're also coming through us. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. That's why Ephesians says, don't let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but only that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. I mean, words that build people up when they hear them, words that minister grace to them, that sounds like spirit words and life words. Hallelujah. Say it out loud, spirit words. Life words. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. It's not a a quantity of words, but it's a quality of words. In 1 Samuel 3, 1 Samuel 3.19, notice what it said about Samuel. Samuel is... uh, now, he, he's a, he was a human being, still is. We'll get to meet him one day. And I know he made mistakes, but we're not told about them. Yeah. <laughs> he must have lived a pretty exemplary life. Because, you know, the Bible would tell you, I mean, the Bible said David's a man after God's own heart, but the Bible told us about all his faults and sins, right? I mean, big time. And, and others, too. But with Samuel, man, I don't know of any negative. We know he made mistakes. But notice this. Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. None? (laughs) Now, we, we read, you know, was it last week or whatever in James 3, if you don't miss it in what you say, King James says that's a perfect man, or a, we'd say, fully developed, fully developed individual. If you don't miss it in what you say. Let me read that to you from another translation. The, the BBE says, the Lord was with him, and let not one of his words be without effect. Wow. Not one of his words without effect. God's Word translation says... The Lord was with him and didn't let any of his words go unfulfilled. Now he's a prophet and and he spoke things that the Lord gave him and told him and not one of them failed to come to pass. This is Samuel. None of his words failed. Year after year. I mean he lived to be an old man. 
So it's possible to get our minds renewed, not be conformed to this world and just talking a bunch of even gibberish and nonsensical stuff half the time. It's easy to get drawn into that and people won't even notice it because everybody around you tends to be doing that. But you and I can change. We can be transformed in our thinking and we can begin to be more, pay more attention to what's coming out of our mouth. And if we'll do this, what will happen is we'll stop just speaking all flesh words and empty words and we'll begin to speak spirit words and life words and words of healing and words that build up and words that enlighten and words that deliver and loose. Hallelujah. You interested in this? The Lord directed me some years ago about praying and saying that if I would be more selective, then I would become more effective. If I'd become more selective about what I prayed, then my prayers would become more effective. You're not supposed to pray and sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. You're not supposed to make confessions And have about a 65% success rate. It's not supposed to be like that. And in fact, if you pray and it doesn't happen, and you pray and it doesn't happen, it hurts your faith. And if you say things and they don't happen, and you say things and they don't happen, it hurts your faith. You might say, well, what do I do about it? I just told you. What he told me. Become more more selective. Don't, don't be too quick to pray things. Don't be too quick to say things. Before you start saying something, you need to make sure, should I be saying this? What's it based on? What did the Lord say to me about it? What did the Word say about this? And only say what He said. And when I become more selective... And don't, don't try to release my faith until I know I can. Then you'll say it and it'll happen. Oh, maybe not the same day or the same week, but it'll happen. And what that does is it, it boosts your confidence. And you, and you say the last three things that you said came to pass. It stirs you up. I said it stirs you up. And you begin to see I can live like this. I can function like this. I can, I can operate this way. But I have to be more watchful about what I'm saying. Say it out loud. No vain repetitions. No empty flesh words. Now, let's think about what a, what a word is for a moment. Go with me to uh, 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. 2 Corinthians 10 and uh, 3. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. He said, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. And I'm, I might say it like this, not with flesh words either. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Now that's the same word for flesh. They're not flesh weapons. What kind of weapons are they? Spirit, not flesh. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What we have to overcome the enemy and problems in life is real and it's powerful, but it's not fleshly. It's not not material, natural. Keep going. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Everybody say every thought. thought. Does every thought matter? It must. I said it must. What is a word? 
Words are not just letters strung together or sounds. Words are meaningless unless they convey thoughts. Thoughts. So words are thought vehicles. Words are ways of expressing thoughts and actually releasing thoughts. Thoughts are not nothing. Thoughts are some of the biggest things in the universe. This building you're sitting in, before it was a building, it was a thought. Is that right? The car you came over in, before it was a car, before there was a factory, or before there was, you know, any of the things that go with that, there was a thought to make a car, and then there was a thought to make a certain kind of car. If there had never been a thought, there had never been a car. And if God had had a thought, there had never been a you, or a me. Are in earth. And so God's words contain God's thoughts, and they are precious. Say it out loud God's thoughts. God's thoughts are precious. Oh, are they? And that's why the big deal is not what language you speak. There are all kind of languages. But the thoughts are the same. You're just using a different vehicle to express it, to communicate it. Look with me, if you would, in the book of Psalms. Turn over there, please. Thank you, Lord, for your thoughts. Say it out loud. Thank you, Lord, for your precious thoughts. In Psalm 40, you ever heard the phrase, what a thought? (laughs) Yeah, that certainly describes God's thoughts. What a thought. God had a thought. Next thing you know, there was a planet. Hallelujah. God had a thought. And there were human beings. Woo! Somebody say, God had a thought. God. Now, how did it go from being a thought to a thing? With God. How did it go from being a thought to a thing? He spoke it into existence. But there wouldn't have been anything to speak into existence unless there had first been a thought. Now, what we're getting into is, if you agree with the first part of the message that I, I, can, I can speak more powerfully, I can speak words more like the master, it doesn't start just with your mouth. It starts with your thoughts. And thoughts are not just intellectual. Thoughts are of the heart. They are spiritual. And we need to examine where they come from. That's what that passage just said in 2 Corinthians 10 there. Casting down imaginations. There are a lot of thoughts that are dangerous. They are very dangerous. And taking into captivity every thought. That's why we need to know the Word. That's why you need to read your chapter every day. That's why you need to come to church, hear good things, get full of the Word, so that you can identify a non-conforming thought. Non-conforming to what? To the Word. Because in God's Word, we have His thoughts. And this is the thing that so many have have missed, and, and the thing that changed Phyllis in my life so radically, and I know many of you the same way, I grew up in church. My great-grandfather gave the land 
for the Pentecostal church to be built on. And my, my grandmother was the secretary treasurer for 60-something years there. And, and um, I grew up around church. And thank God for it. But in our group, the word didn't hold the place that it should. Now, I know that's a giant statement. And if you'd have told us that, I, we'd have said, absolutely, you're wrong. We respect the Bible. You know, got it right there on the coffee table. Maybe a little dusty, but we respect. <laughs> but most people had never even read it through. Or even partially. You say, well, you know, is that is that so so odd? It is a, a it's a it's a gross failure. What do you mean? The Bible is not just something to say, yeah, I read through that, yeah. No. Every one of these words tells us how to think about everything. I said, it tells you how to think. People say, well, I got a right to my beliefs. Actually, you don't. If you're a Christian, now if you're not going to be a Christian, sure, you believe anything you want to and be lost. But if you're going to be a Christian... You're supposed to submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus and believe what he told you to believe. Not make up stuff as you go. And so in order to do what I'm talking about, you have to feed on this daily, regularly. And every time something comes up, instead of saying, well, I know what I think about that. No, no, you need to let God tell you what you think about that. And let him tell you how to think about that. And his thoughts and his ways are in all these accounts of David and Goliath and, and, and uh, the Hebrew children in the fiery furnace and, and all these things. These are not just nifty Bible stories. This is how to think, how to see things, how to respond, how to talk, how to live. And, and we're supposed to be feeding on his thoughts all the time. Didn't he say? You'll meditate in this night and day. Why? Because it tells you how to think, how to see things, how to live, how to talk, how to operate. And that, by and large, the church has not done. They go, maybe on Sunday, maybe once a month, maybe twice a year. And hear a little homily, maybe about social reform and politics and this and that. But the rest of the time, they, you know, they decide on their own beliefs and they decide on what they think and don't realize they're feeding on a lot of ungodly stuff that's feeding wrong thoughts into them all the time. And that's where the spiritual battle is occurring. It's a battle of thoughts. Which is why the scripture said the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the what? Pulling down of strongholds. What kind of strongholds? Casting down imaginations and bringing into captivity every thought. Somebody say every thought. Every, every thought. Are we supposed to be examining every thought? Yes, we are. Are most people doing it? No, they're not. Which is why they still got so many problems too. And they're still confused about so many things and don't have things settled. We are to love God's thoughts and his words. Love, love, love God's thoughts. We are to seek what he thinks and knows about everything. And then go, well, that's what I'm going to think. And that's what I'm going to say. Right? Right? coming in line with him. And any thoughts that are contrary to that, we take them captive, we cast them down. Any imaginations that are opposing that, we cast them down. You say, uh-uh, I don't believe that. That's a wrong thought. And I cast it down. Psalm 40, are you there? Psalm 40, verse 5, this is the Amplified. Psalm 40, verse 5, says, Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonderful works which you have done. And your thoughts toward us. No one can compare with you. 
If I should declare and speak of them, they are too many to be numbered. God has some thoughts. <laughs> Before there was a sun, stars, God had a thought. Is that right? Before there was a solar system, God had thoughts. Hallelujah. Before there was atomic energy, God had thoughts. Before there was plasma, before there was gravity, God had thoughts. And he released those thoughts with his words and the power manifested. But it was there in him, in the thoughts, before anything else. Look in Psalm 139. Psalm 139, 17. 139, 17. I'm reading the Amplified as well. How precious and weighty also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I want, you, I want everybody to say it right out loud. Confess this. How precious. How, precious. how weighty. Are your thoughts to me, O God? How vast is the sum of them? Say it out loud. Lord, I want to know what you think about everything. I want to know what you think about everything. And then I'm going to take his thoughts and let them be my thoughts. You know, the Lord had said in, uh, through the prophet to the wicked. And you got to remember, you got to start at the right place. He addressed the wicked and he said, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. My ways are higher. Well, he's talking to the wicked. But then in the New Testament, it talked about that we've been given the spirit of God that we might know what has freely been given to us. That we might know. God didn't want us to be in the dark. He didn't give us the Bible so that we'd be in the dark. He didn't give us the Holy Spirit so we wouldn't know. He wants us to know. Say it out loud. His thoughts are becoming my thoughts. Oh, hallelujah. Would it change you if you started thinking like God and talking like God? Oh, <laughs> Change doesn't seem like a big enough word. We're talking about radical, glorious transformation. You start thinking. Somebody say, I start thinking like God. I start talking like God. Woo-hoo. Then what happens? You come into alignment with him. And when you want what he wants for the same reasons, He wants it. You become unstoppable. Because you're lined up with him. Thinking like him. Talking like him. How precious and weighty are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they'd be more in number than the sand. And when I awoke, could I count to the end, I'd still be with you. Verse 23, search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any wicked or hurtful way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. See, identifying and getting rid of those ungodly, unbelieving, wrong thoughts. And they're often accompanied with feelings. Thoughts and feelings connect. And so thoughts and feelings are not nothing. They are spiritual energy. And that's where things start in the realm of the unseen. And when you embrace a thought and you continue to think it and then you start speaking it, then you release the substance of the thought to start taking shape in your life. You know, Jesus 
commanded us uh, about being fearful and worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. He said, take no thought saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? Did you hear that phrase? Don't take the thought saying it. So even though a thought comes to you, we're not going to have enough, we're not going to make it, don't take that thought by saying it. Make a choice against it, let it die, unborn, unexpressed, and you decree we will have more than enough. My God supplies all my need. Come on, can you see that? And instead of speaking death and restriction and lack over yourself and giving that a chance to to come into being and flourish, you're going to agree with God. Where where did we get that? My God supplies all my needs. That's God's thoughts. That's right out of Philippians. That's God's thoughts. So I'm, I'm expressing God's thoughts over my life. There's power in that. I said there's power in that. There's provision in that. There's protection in that. There's healing in that. Deliverance in that. Scripture said you'll decree a thing. It'll be so to you. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. 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 Go with me to the book of Proverbs, please, and notice this just a little bit more. This is, uh, this is really something. Before we get there, I'll just read a couple of things to you. You're going to Proverbs 8. Hebrews 11.3 says that through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things that are seen are not made of things which do appear. Sometimes people will say, well, God made it out of nothing. That's not true. He made it out of something you can't see. And he made it, he released the power out of the unseen with his words. This is how everything came into existence. And um, in uh, Psalm 33, 8, just hold your place in Proverbs 8. I'm getting there just in a moment. Proverbs, excuse me, Psalm 33, 8. It said, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Does the Bible tell us to be followers of God as dear children, to be imitators of God? How does he function? How has he always functioned? Something forms inside him. A thought. A vision. And... He releases it with his words and power is manifested. That's how he operates. You're his child. You're made in his likeness and image. Now you can say, well, that's God. I I can't act like that. Well, you got a better example to follow? Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to act like? No. He spoke And it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Now look in Proverbs 8 and you actually get a behind the scene look at when this happened. This is amazing. In Proverbs 8, verse 23, when you got some some time, just read the whole chapter carefully and see there's a lot, lot of it here. But it is wisdom, the wisdom of God speaking here. And in Proverbs 8.22, he said, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. Possess what? Me who? Wisdom. Wisdom. The wisdom of God. Verse 23, I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning or ever the earth was, before there was an earth. <laughs> well, what do we talk about? Before there was a car, there was a thought and there was the wisdom to know what it took to make a car. 
There was the, the knowledge and the understanding and the wisdom to know that you could take metals out of the ground, that you could heat them, that you could form them, that you could shape them, that you could pour metals into a mold and you could uh, bore holes in it and make cylinders and make crankshafts and pistons. and That had to come from somewhere. It didn't just pop into existence by itself. Nothing ever popped into existence by itself. No. Never has. Never will. You see creation, there had to be a creator. You see a car, there got to be a car maker. You see a house, somebody built that house. And before somebody built it, somebody could see that house. Is that right? Before there was anything on the piece of property, somebody somebody had to see it in order to draw it, in order to plan it. Well, what we're seeing here, God possessed wisdom before and before the planet was, before the solar system was. You and I, with this passage, we're getting to rewind. (laughs) Think about it. At the moment we're reading this, there's no earth. The planet doesn't exist yet. And I reckon the solar system, though, that we're a part of, none of it exists yet. Yet. Verse 24, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled. (laughs) There was a time the mountains were brand spanking new and still settling. (laughs) Before the hills was brought forth, while as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. Wisdom. The wisdom. Well, wisdom is internal. Right? That's what's going on inside you. And one aspect, one uh, attribute of wisdom is that it sees the outcome. Different from knowledge is knowing something, aware of something. Wisdom is the ability to use knowledge and understanding to accomplish the desired outcome. Wisdom can see if I do this, this, and this, it will result in that. Wisdom is if we go this direction, we will wind up here. The more you learn about it, the more you desire God's wisdom, right? And good news, good news in James, he said, if you lack wisdom, just ask for some. What a deal. You don't even have to pay for it. Just just ask for it. Come on, do it right now. Say, Father, I'm asking for some more wisdom, some of your amazing wisdom. I ask for it. In Jesus' name. name. And he said, if you won't doubt, it won't waver about that, just fully expect it. He'll give it to you freely and abundantly and and won't upbraid you about not knowing something. He'll just give you the wisdom. And next thing you know, you won't be fumbling around wondering how to do it anymore. You'll be on a track that's going to get you to the right place and the right thing. Why? God's thoughts. You got God's thoughts on the matter and you're speaking his words. Woo. Verse 27, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. Had to be. Because the concept had to be inside of God before it existed anywhere else. When he set a compass upon the face of the deep, which is why the earth is round. Instead of some other shape. (laughs) Oh, the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. I mean, when you think about this giant thing, all this mass rotating and in orbit and the tilt 
I mean, it's pretty warm this time of year. And we're 95 million miles away from that big hot ball of gas. A <laughs> little bit closer, too hot. A too <laughs> little bit further away, too cold. Everything's frozen. I mean, even the uh, people that study these things, they, they call our spot the Goldilocks spot. <laughs> not too hot, not too cold. Just right. And that just happened by accident that we just all sprang into existence spontaneously. No, that's something people believe based on nothing. That's presumption. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. Verse 28, when he established the clouds above, there was a time when the first clouds that had ever been seen were seen. There had never been clouds before. We take them for granted. We see them all the time. How many think the angels said, that's neat. <laughs> How about let's take a fly through them. <laughs> fly through the clouds. <laughs> when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he established the clouds. When he strengthened the fountains of the deep. Listen to this. When he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment. It takes some wisdom to keep all that water from coming up out of this bowl and just washing everything away. What stops it? What stops it? If you study these things, you know gravity, the rotation, the moon, the pull, all of this. Yeah, but it's got to be at the right spot. <laughs> the moon was bigger or smaller or closer or further away or if the if the ocean was deeper or, or colder or hotter or even in its fallen state because of the sin and the curse, it is still astounding how beautiful this thing is and how amazing. Imagine what it's going to be like, new heavens, new earth, when it's perfect again, and no, you and I got a front row seat to that. Oh, oh, and a place, our own place. That's what he's doing right now. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Our own place as a part of it. And He's training us right now to rule and reign with him in his eternal kingdom. We have a place in his kingdom. We'll have a job. We'll have responsibilities. And he's training us right now. We're in the early, 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 early stages. When he calls us my little children, it's not a figure of speech. We really are at this stage, little, little children. (laughs) But he got big plans. For his little children. And we're growing up. Somebody say we're growing up. And a big part. He said if you don't miss it in what you say. The same is a fully developed person. That's a big part of our growing up. Is that we quit being so loose and foolish. With what we think. And what we say. And we become more disciplined. In our controlling our thoughts. And controlling our words. And we start growing up. And start acting like big brother. And daddy. Big daddy. We start acting more like him. When he established the clouds above. When he strengthened the fountains of the deep. When he gave the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment. When he appointed the foundations of the earth. We still for the most part don't have a clue what's in the core of this planet. And that is a huge area but it's foundation enough this thing's solid aren't you glad it's not wobbling that'd make you nauseous (laughs) aren't you glad this thing didn't develop a wobble and then about noon every day it goes oh now you're laughing but we take all this stability for granted the proper mixture of the atmosphere, gases, I mean, all that we take it. And I, I know that people say, well, that's why we got we to gotta save the planet. Mm. 
No, no, I'm not an advocate of seeing how quick you can try to pollute things and mess things up either. But no, people are not acknowledging the biggest factors in climate change, which is the sun and the normal cycles of the planet. And people are, they have ulterior motives in a lot of these things. And, and ultimately, this thing is too big for us to control. And it is hubris to think we can control it. And even people that advocate and push things, they'll turn around and tell you they don't think that we can change it or change it quick enough or whatever. No, we have faith first and foremost in the God who made the planet. Even if it needed some tweaks because of mankind abuse, do you think God could do it? Could God do it? Oh, come on. He made it. He, He could make any kind of adjustment he wanted to if he needed to, but he doesn't need to. It will function, take care of us until it's no longer needed, and then there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And this is already inside of God, and how's it going to happen? He's going to speak it into existence just like he did this. The truth is, this planet just like our body, which comes from this planet, it has been so altered from sin and the curse that it's not okay like it is. It can't be fixed. It's got to be changed. Changed into immortal, and the planet will not be fixed. It'll be replaced. I'm quoting scriptures. Did he say new heavens? Newer, this one's going to even tells you how it's going to happen with fervent heat. It's going to melt. Something's going to happen to our sun. You see it all in the book of Revelation. The elements and surface of the planet's going to melt. And nobody will be able to stop that. Change that. That's too big for us. But it's why you need to be on the right side. You need to be under God. And in the family of God. So that when he needs to. He can take you out of here. Is that right? And he's already got a place for you. And it's going to be so much better. Than we've ever experienced. Down here. No more 105 degree days. No more minus 30 days. No more tornadoes. No more hurricanes. No more earthquakes. No more. No more. Because God had a thought. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say, God had a thought. And then say, what a thought. What a thought. He said, I, I was by him as one brought up with him. I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. Wisdom is still with us. God's wisdom is still with us. And when we're talking about words, we have to be talking about thoughts, because without a thought, a word is nothing. Stand on your feet if you would. Somebody say, praise God, praise God, glory to God. Thanks be to God. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lift up your hands, lift up your voices, and begin to thank God for his wonderful, amazing thoughts and his words. Oh, we worship you, Father. Oh, we worship you. We give you glory. We give you thanks. We praise you. We adore you. We bless you, O oh Lord. We bless your name. We bless your holy name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Say it out loud, O oh Lord. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you that before I was even born, you thought about me. Jesus thought about me. Paid the price for me. You included me in your plan. Your forever family. 
your forever plan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Fill me with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Enlighten the eyes of my heart and my understanding. Quicken me with your spirit words and your life words. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.